0: Good evening church. How's everyone doing this evening? Beautiful, beautiful Miami January. How many of you How many of you in the room are from somewhere else outside of Florida? Raise your hand. How many of you are from somewhere that's cold? How many of you have texted your friends and family in cold weather pictures of you at the beach and making fun of them as they are suffering? I was watching earlier some clips of the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati game and it's like snowing. And I'm like, is it too hot for a jacket? This is Miami and this is why we live here. It's a wonderful place to be. It is in fact paradise and we love our city, we love our church, and uh, we love what God is doing. So tonight we're beginning episode three of our series called Forward Living in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Joshua chapter 6, and that's the passage that we'll be working through this evening. If you don't have your Bible with you, no worries. You can download the Crossbridge Brickle app. Click on the notes icon. There's a whole bunch of notes and scripture there for you, and also on the screen, we'll have the passages and some headers as well. So, I was considering this sermon, which is based on this very famous historical event, where the walls of Jericho come crashing down, I began to think about what this story represents and what it speaks to us in 2023. You know, walls speak. They speak loudly. And I've had the privilege of seeing all different types of walls all over the world that represent different things and speak different messages So a few of them that I'll share with you that have had an impact upon me. The first one would be the Stone of Hope in Washington, D.C. You'll see the picture behind the screen. This is the statue, the monument, the wall to Martin Luther King Jr. And it represents and it causes us to remember his life, his message, and his dream. And it speaks for justice and equality and freedom. And it's such a powerful Sight to behold, a dream that we are still pursuing and praying for of justice and freedom, reconciliation, of hope. The second wall that I've had a privilege of seeing, which was also outstanding, was the Great Wall of China. After my second anniversary, my wife and I, Jessica, we went backpacking in China and we went to the Great Wall of China and we went to this section. That's not my picture. I'm not that good. There's no iPhones back then like ours now. But we went to this section of the wall, and I can remember climbing up and looking at the wall, snaking across the mountains as far as the eye can see, and just being astounded. This wall goes some 12,000 miles. It took 2,000 years to build. You can see it from space. And it speaks of human creativity and ingenuity. It speaks of perseverance. The third wall that... I have seen that has great spiritual significance upon my life was the Western Wall in Jerusalem, often called the Wailing Wall. You can see the picture of it there. This is the last remaining wall that was connected to the Temple Mount, where the First and Second Temple, like Solomon's Temple in the Old Testament, once stood, and it is the closest that the Jewish people can get to the Temple Mount, and it represents God's presence. And so as you go and approach the wall, you will see people writing notes on little pieces of paper and rolling them up and putting them in the cracks and crevices of the wall, believing and hoping that God's presence there will answer these prayers. It's a wall that speaks of God's presence and of religious devotion for people from all over the world take a pilgrimage to see this wall. And to pray at this wall. These walls speak loudly, messages we need to hear, messages we need to absorb, and things that should be a part of our life, and things that inspire us or give us direction forward. But not all walls speak good messages. Some walls speak division and hatred and shame and mistakes or apathy. One of these walls was a wall that I visited about 10 years ago, and it's the Berlin Wall. In Germany. When you go to see the Berlin Wall, there's a heaviness there. If you know the story of what took place for nearly 30 years, there was a wall that divided the city of Berlin. Between West Berlin, which was prosperous and a place of freedom, and East Berlin, which was a place oppressed by the Soviets. Place of struggle, famine, great difficulty. And if you notice this picture here, this is a picture from the day that the wall came down in 1989. And the joy and the hope and the freedom for so many that stood on the other side of the wall, for most of them, 30 years of their life, thinking that they would never get past it. And the wall finally comes down and a new chapter begins. But that wall represented something that was painful and was difficult, that was full of division and hatred. You see, walls speak, and they speak encouraging messages, messages of hope, messages that we pray for, we long for, and we pursue. But there are also walls that speak mistakes and shame and division and hatred and evil. And I tell you this because the walls of this world are not only physical walls that you can visit, but there's also mental walls. All of us have mental walls, mental blocks, barriers, Things in our life that we have been pressed up against, that we are praying for. Earlier, we just prayed for those deep requests, those deep supplications that we're bringing to God. And for many of us, there are things in our life attached to our work, to relationships, to culture and society, to friendship, to family. That is a wall. And it feels to us like it's insurmountable. It's a wall of difficulty, it's a wall of division, it's a wall of hatred, it's a wall of apathy. And for some of us, when we think about these mental walls, what goes through our mind is, it's never going to come down. I've tried to bring it down. I've tried all different types of things to get past this wall, and I've never been able to see it fall. I'm still on the other side of it. There's no picture of freedom for me. Now, I want to bring this up because as we move into the story here in Joshua chapter 6, I want to invite you to come in with an open heart and a fresh perspective on the story that God is writing in your life. I know that you have walls. All of us do. Some are small. Some are big. But I want you to enter into the story believing that God will tear down the wall. Do you believe that God will tear down the walls in your life? You should, and you're gonna see that in the text because God is a God that tears down walls and his future for you is not what is in front of you that you can see. He's doing something in your life and there's a way in which you will walk and journey through life so that you can face the walls the way that God desires with strength and courage just like Joshua and the people of God. So in Joshua chapter six, we get to... The part where God gives instructions to Joshua for how he is going to lead his people to bring down the walls of Jericho, the first barrier in their pursuit of claiming the promised land. They've crossed the Jordan. They've set up shop. They've investigated how they're going to get into Jericho. They sent spies and they came back. And then last week we saw that Joshua met the real commander, the Lord himself, who says, fall before me and worship before me. Take your shoes off for you're on holy ground, preparing Joshua to receive exactly what he hears in this chapter for how the walls will come down. So we're going to read verses 1 through 7, Joshua chapter 6. Here's what God's word says to us. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. No one went out, no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Then shall you, thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Joshua, so Joshua the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant, and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city. And let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the time has come for Joshua to lead the people to conquering Jericho. Jericho, a city with towering walls that seem insurmountable. It has to feel even greater of a task, a daunting task, when they get closer to the city. And you know this is true. When you face a wall or a barrier or a difficulty in life, from a distance, it maybe seems more manageable until you get close to it and you look up at it. And now it feels difficult, daunting. Same is true with Joshua and the people of God. And so God comes to Joshua and he tells them exactly what to do. And I think it's fair to say it's not what Joshua expected. He probably was thinking there's some strategy, maybe there's a secret way in, a couple bricks are open. I don't know. I don't think he imagined that God was going to say, you're just going to march around the city in silence for six days. Seventh day, seven times, blow some rams, horns, shout real loud, all the walls will come down. That's what he says. Some of you know this, very few of you know this, but I'm outing myself here. Um, I like watching other people play video games. Anyone else in the room... You're not going to raise your hand because you don't, you're not, you're not going to do it. I understand. There's a whole app that's dedicated to this, a website called Twitch, where people, people make a living off of playing video games and other people watching them play video games. And if you don't play video games, I know how it sounds. Video games are bad enough because it's not real, but now you're watching someone you don't know play something that's not real. And the answer that I give is yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. But it's fascinating. It's not just me, okay? I'm not the only nerd. I'm not the only, you know, peculiar person here because millions of people are watching others play video games. Some of the tournaments that you watch have prize pools of $20 million, $30 million. It's unbelievable. Now you may be asking, why in the world would people watch other people play video games? I'm going to give you a couple reasons. The first is this. Because... When you play video games, oftentimes if it's a story-driven game, you will encounter difficult parts in the game. Checkpoints or walls that you have to break through and you maybe have tried everything and you can't get around it. You can't get past the boss. You can't get past the level. And so people will go online to watch other people play games to see how to do it. They will watch people give a walkthrough. So there are people that will start a game, and they will literally walk you through the entire game so you know exactly how to play it right. It's a walkthrough. Another thing that is also attractive for those that play video games is that when you watch someone play, you may just be watching to pick up on something they do, a tip or a trick, so that you might improve your gameplay. Because you see how they interact or how they play or things they do. And you're like, wow, I never imagined that you could do that. And then you go try to implement it in your game. For some of you, let me try to bring it home. Some of you go online and you watch people cook on YouTube so you can pick up some tips and tricks. And then you try it in the kitchen. Same kind of thing, but with nerds like me. And then the last one that is very popular is something called speedruns. Speedruns are people that are just unbelievably good at games. Like their hands don't make sense. They move too fast. And they, they try to beat a game or a level as fast as possible. They try to break a record. And when you watch people do a speedrun, here's what you think if you're like me. I will never do that. I could try my whole life to do what I just saw. But it will never happen. It is impossible. So I want to show you a quick clip of a speed run of a game that you all know, and it's called Mario. Okay? Check this out. Wait till you see this, guys. It's going to blow your mind. Excuse me? What? That's it. Can we give a round of applause for that man or woman? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I watched that. I was watching another one, and it was, like, too insane. It was too long. I was like, I got to keep it short. But it, I watch a speed run of any game, and I'm like, this is unbelievable. I mean, the precision, the timing, the dedication it seems impossible. Here's why I'm telling you this. I'm not just trying to give you a history of nerds and how we consume video game content, okay? It's because many of us, when we look at Joshua chapter 6, we view it as a speed run and not a walkthrough. We look at this chapter and we think, this is a unique, miraculous, historical event. There's really nothing for me here. In fact, it seems impossible. It seems like a one-off event that God did in Joshua's life and the life of Israel in this moment. And what I want you to see is that, in fact, it is a miraculous, monumentous, one-time event. Because I don't think God's going to call you to go walk around a building six times and blow a ram's horn and then shout real loud so it falls down. I don't know, but I don't think so. However, the reason it's in the Word of God and it's given to us is because it's teaching something. It is, in fact, a walkthrough. And it's teaching you how to walk through life as you face walls. It's teaching you how to work towards breakthrough in your life. That is what is coming out of the text. And if you'll enter it that way, believing that this is not a speed run, it's not something impossible, but rather it's a walkthrough that's looking to help guide you through the difficulties you face as you look back on how God guided his people in Joshua 6. I think it will produce great hope and encouragement in you. So, first level. Here's the first level that we see. Is to see what God sees. See what God sees. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says this. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. So what they see is that no one's coming in and out. There's no cracks in the wall. There's no way in. It seems insurmountable. It's daunting. It's a towering wall before them. But then we see what God sees. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Do you notice the language? What they see is a wall that is insurmountable and looks impossible to get past. What God sees is completely different. Did you notice the language? God says, see, Joshua, I've given you Jericho. Yes, it's standing before him. The walls have not come down. But God says, I've given it to you. He speaks in past tense. I think one of the most beloved and famous quoted, memorized verses in all of Scripture is Romans 8.28. I love this verse. It's an incredible promise. It gives great hope in times of difficulty. Here's what it says. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We know, it says, that God is working all things for good. Can I get an amen? And we know... That God has called us to his purpose. Can I get an amen? So here's what we know. It's very clear. God has called us to his purpose. And everything in life is being worked together for good. Which means the walls in your life will come down. Do you see that? If God is working everything for good... And you have been called according to a purpose. Anything that is standing in the way of what God is purpose for you. And the good that he is going to build in your life. It will come down. The wall will come down. But here's what we see in this passage. And this is what's difficult for us. But it's what we must see. Because we need to see what God sees. The walls that may be standing in your time has crumbled in God's time. You see... Joshua sees the walls of Jericho before him, but God says, I want you to see something different. I want you to see that I've given Jericho to you. The walls are not there. You see, the walls before you in your life are there and they're real and they're daunting and they're towering and they're, they bring about fear. But in God's time, they've crumbled. Because what we with eyes of faith are rooted in is the whole counsel of scripture. We don't pick verses. We look at the whole counsel of scripture. And so we say, God, you're tearing down walls. And I believe that because you have promised to work good in my life and you have a purpose for my life. So whatever wall is standing before me, however long it's been there, it's going to come down. Help me to see, God, what you see. That's the first level, see what God sees. Second level is to focus. Focus. God invites Joshua to see what he sees. Hey, I've already given Jericho into your hand, but now I want you to focus on these very detailed instructions. Here is how the wall is going to come down, Joshua. You are going to tell the men of war, the army, to march around the city for six days, silent. Then on the seventh day... You're going to march seven times, and the priests are going to get some ram's horns. And after they have marched, they're going to blow those horns really loudly. When you hear that, all the people are going to shout with all of their might. And what you will see is the walls will fall down flat. Focus, Joshua, on these detailed instructions. This section of this sermon is really a capstone of the first two sermons in this series that I preached. Episode one, I spoke about read the book. The importance of meditating on God's word day and night, of being consistent in scripture. Just read the book. Last week in episode two, I spoke about the importance of setting aside time to be alone with God, to meet with God and be open to him moving you. You see, Here we see that we're supposed to focus on the detailed instructions that God gives us. And the way that we discern God's instructions is we read the book, we set aside time with God, alone, and we listen, and we pray, and we allow him to move us. And what he tells us, and what he speaks, we focus on, and we do it. We don't say, well, that was great, God. I mean, I I was reading, and I was reading the book, and I was spending time alone with you, and I, I really believe that this is what you're calling me to do, and these are the instructions, and this is what I'm supposed to focus on. That's great, but I have a better idea. No, if God says walk, you walk. If he says be quiet, you be quiet. If he says get a ram's horn and blow it, you go to homestead and find a farm and look for a ram and get a horn. What God says, you do you focus on. As you read the book, you set aside time with him. You allow him to move in your time of prayer and silence before him. That's level two. So we want to see what God sees. We want to focus on what God says. And three, we're to have fortitude. Fortitude. Seven days till God delivered Jericho. Not six. Not five. Not four. Not three. Not two. Not one. Now, God could have delivered Jericho that moment. It could have taken one day, but God says it's going to take seven days. You're going to walk for six days in silence. On the seventh day, here's what you're going to do, and the walls will fall down. You see, God wants his people to see what he sees, to focus on what he says, and to have fortitude when the walls are still standing even though God is saying, I want you to believe that they've already crumbled. Focus on what I say and have fortitude. You know, the older I get, the less impressed I am with people starting new things. And this, comes, this is a lot to say from somebody who loves to start new things. One of my top strength finders is ideation. I mean, I get so many ideas, it's nauseating to myself and everybody else. I know. I get ideas all the time. And when I get an idea, I can't wait to brainstorm it, to build it out, to work on it, to look to implement it. And I fully believe it's the greatest idea. Anyone else in the room like that? I love ideas. I love starting things. Here's a case in point. And no one in this room knows this except for my wife. In 2014, I started a podcast. Was not a great podcast. Okay. It was called Mixed Bag. And it was a mixed bag of failure. That's exactly what it was. It had no direction. It, I haven't. We're just, just kind of friends talking. We thought, oh, we're gonna like, we're gonna. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be amazing. And uh, we had this this way of ending the podcast, which I don't know if this was like, this would probably work now. It didn't work then. We played a game of rock paper scissors with all the hosts and the guests, and the loser. Of the Rock Paper Scissor Tournament, each podcast show had to drink a McDonald's Happy Meal blended up. See, exactly. I thought it was a great idea. You know what I mean? I don't, it's not a great idea. But in 2014, it sounded great. Here's what happened that show lasted three episodes. And uh, then we stopped, you know, because it, It was, as I said, a mixed bag of failure. And I I really believed it. I felt really great about it. I thought it was going to be exciting. I thought it was going to get traction. I, I had all these ideas of what we could build it into. and I love starting things. I love pioneering things. I get excited about that. But the older I get, the more impressed I am when people finish things. Starting something is impressive. Don't get me wrong. But what's remarkable is when you finish it, when you endure, when you persevere, when you have longevity, that's amazing. It's rarely seen in many circles. And many of us, myself included, we struggle at times to finish. We want to start. Finishing is remarkable. And I think some of us struggle with finishing strong Because we don't see forward movement. We don't see forward movement, and so we have no fortitude. When there's no forward movement, there's no fortitude. Imagine how Joshua and God's people felt on like day three. They wake up, day three, let's go walk around the walls, and nothing's happening. They're just on a walk in the hot sun. Probably I imagine the people living in Jericho making fun of them. Out for your morning stroll again, I see. What are you going to do? Try to get us dizzy how many times you can walk around? They have to be thinking, God, what are you doing here? How is this going to work? We're not seeing anything. God says focus on what I told you to do. See what I see and have Fortitude. You know what, have been, what, what, what would have been really motivating? Is after each, if after each lap every day, there was like a mini earthquake. You know what I mean? Like lap one, a little earthquake and the bricks shook. You're like, oh God, we're doing it. Here we go. Day two, a little bit more shakes off. Now you're throwing the comments back at Jericho. Wait till we get to seven. Let me tell you what's up. You're going to bed at night. You can't wait to wake up and walk. Because it's shaken a little bit. There's a little bit of forward movement. You can have fortitude when you see things happening, when there's forward movement. But when nothing happens, when there's no change, it requires fortitude. The latter half of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 10, it speaks about recalling former difficulties. It says, Remember times in the past when you faced great difficulties. And remember how you held on to the better possession that was ahead and you saw God move you past those difficulties. Those walls came down and now you stand in a new place, presumably with a new wall before you. Then it says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36, with all of this in mind, thinking about difficulties, pushing through difficulties, and what's needed. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. ...which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. The author of Hebrews says, recall the former difficulties, how God moved you past them, how those walls came down. and Presumably you're facing new ones now, but do not throw away your confidence. You have need of endurance... You need to endure. And after you do the will of God, meaning focus on the will of God and what he says for you to do, you will see what is promised. See, I read this verse. And for a couple days, this can really sustain me. I can read it and be like, yes. God, I'm going to see what you see. I'm going to focus on what you say. I'm going to endure. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to believe that you're going to tear down the walls. But if you are like me, a couple days in or a couple weeks in, if you're really trying and there's no forward movement, you shrink back. Let off the gas a little bit. Maybe think about another way. A different route. See, fortitude fails when forward movement is stalled. But the walkthrough of Joshua chapter 6 and the teaching of Hebrews chapter 10 is saying to you and me, don't let it fail. Your confidence, your fortitude, you have need of endurance. How? How do you endure and not fail and shrink back? Think of another route and give up when there's no forward movement. It's a simple answer, but it's the right answer. It's the fourth level, faith, faith. See, confidence, endurance, perseverance, fortitude can only last so long with grit. Grit can only get you so far. Grit on day three, walking around the walls with no movement, sleeps in. Grit thinks about a different way after there's been no movement. It only gets you so far. The way that you endure and you hold to your confidence and that you have fortitude is through faith. That's why verse 39 of Hebrews chapter 10 says this. But we are not not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have, say it with me, faith and preserve their souls. We are people of faith. We don't shrink back. We're not destroyed. We endure. We have confidence. Why? Because we are people of, say it with me, faith. We're people of faith. You can have grit, that's great. But faith is what builds fortitude. Faith is what sustains. Faith is what brings confidence. Faith is what causes you to say, I'm not shrinking back. God's going to tear down the walls. I'm going to focus on what he says. I'm going to have fortitude because I believe in faith in what God's going to do. And some of us need to hear this. Sometimes the bigger wall that needs to be torn down is within you and not in front of you. Sometimes the bigger wall in your life is not the wall that you're thinking right now in your head that's in front of you. It's the wall that's in you. And the way in which God wants to break down that wall, oftentimes, is through waiting. Seven days, not one. Waiting. Because perseverance and endurance is needed. You see, waiting is where faith becomes necessary. If God always answered every prayer and desire of your heart in the exact moment that you had it, it would require Zero faith. Instant gratification does not require your faith. Waiting produces faith because faith is necessary when you're waiting. When you say, God, I'm going to see what you see. I'm going to focus on what you say. I'm going to endure and have fortitude because I have faith in who you are and what you're going to do. That requires your faith to be developed as you wait. When it's day 3 or 4 and there's no movement as you're walking around the wall. When it's year 2, 3, 10 and you're praying and you feel like there's no forward movement. Faith is developed in these moments. It's in the waiting and in the silence that faith develops. In the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ speaks this truth as well. When Jesus goes to the cross to die for your sins and my sins to die for your shame and guilt and my shame and guilt, to give his life in exchange for ours. When he dies and he's buried, he doesn't come back from the grave right away. Three days. Silence. Waiting. In fact, for the disciples and the people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, it was three days of agony. of fear of confusion. Questioning. But it's in the waiting that faith develops. It's in the waiting that we see what God wants us to see. In fact, it's in the waiting and in the silence where God produces in us a more rich and vibrant faith that deepens the experience of our life. Because our life is full of walls, and as we wait for God to bring them down, as we see what he sees, we focus on what he says, and we have fortitude, faith developed in the waiting only becomes more rich and vibrant and full of hope and confidence as it grows and as it waits. And that is because we realize that the presence of silence and the waiting does not mean that God is absent. When Christ was buried after he died... For those three days before he came forth from the grave, was God missing? Was he absent? No. No. In the waiting of your life and in the silence of your life, as you're waiting for walls to be torn down, God is not absent. He's working. And he's inviting you to have faith to see what he is doing and what he has promised to do. Because he's working all things for good and he has a purpose for your life. Meaning the walls in your life will come down. The challenge is, is to allow faith to do its work as you wait. Say, God, I'm going to wait. It's not easy. Develop my faith. Help me to see. You see, this is the faith that we see in Joshua. As he's invited to wait for those long seven days with these bizarre instructions to see what God sees, and it's got to be difficult. But what we read in the text is that it says, So Joshua did. He called the priest, and here's what he said to the people Go forward, march forward. Here's what we're doing. He had faith because he realized that he was just a vessel. That God wanted to use him. That was, in fact, Joshua's purpose. Is to be used in this fresh and new way. To have fresh faith that inspired the people. That deepened their faith as they walked around those walls each and every day. God, we're focusing on what you say. We're going to see what you see. We're going to have fortitude. God, deepen our faith. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 says this. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. See, if you are the vessel of God and he has a purpose for you and that purpose is good and he's working all things in your life for good, then every wall before you that is not good, he will tear down. And what he's inviting you to do as you are the vessel of the Lord is to say, God, help me to see what you see. Help me to focus on what you call me to do. Help me to have endurance and fortitude deep in my faith, what I hold fast to faith. You see, these four levels that I went through of the walkthrough of life that we see in Joshua chapter 6 is actually meant to be done in reverse. Faith produces fortitude. And fortitude leads you to focus on what God says, resulting in you, in fact, seeing what God has said. Faith leads to fortitude, and fortitude builds focus, and focus leads you to see what God has said. So, let me give you the walkthrough of life as you face walls and as you pray for breakthrough. It's so simple but so important. Hold to faith, don't shrink back. You are not destroyed. Have confidence, for it is of great re- reward. Hold to faith. In the midst of your waiting, know that God is present and He's producing something in you that is more rich and more alive and more vibrant as you wait. Hold to faith. Secondly, have fortitude. You have need of endurance. We don't want to wait, we don't want to persevere at times. We want the gratification to be in the moment, but we have need of endurance. Have fortitude perseverance. Focus on God's instruction. Three, read his word and listen to what he says. Don't change it and make it sound like what you want it to say. Do what he says. And then lastly, see what he sees. You see, God wants you to believe and to pray and to sing according to what he sees, not what you see. To believe that there is something new coming, that something good coming, that the walls that stand in your time have crumbled in God's time. So see what God sees. As you face difficulties and struggles and walls in life, do you see what God sees, which is he's producing and creating goodness in your life. He's working everything in your life for good. And he has a purpose for you. Even when you feel like your purpose is lost, he has a purpose for you. See what he sees. See, this isn't a speed run, friends. It's not impossible. It's not insurmountable. It's a walk through. How to face walls and difficulties in life. Hold to faith. Have fortitude. See what God sees. Focus on what he says. Amen. Amen.